It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So let's pray as Andrew comes in a moment or two. So Lord Jesus, this morning we open up our hearts right now and our minds and our spirits. We thank you that when Andrew comes to share this morning, these are, these are not just words, but these are empowered words from your word, the Bible, from the New Testament, from the Old Testament. We thank you that this is inspired. This is God-breathed words. And so we pray that you'll breathe life and hope into Andrew as he shares what you've put upon his heart for us as individuals and corporately as a church at this moment, right now and in this time. And let faith be released. Let faith be released in our hearts and minds and in the atmosphere open amongst us. And may Andrew have a complete sense of liberty and freedom as he shares. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Adrian. Great to see you all this morning, church. Are we all doing okay? Fantastic, wonderful. I'm going to share something this morning. We've, uh, can I be the first to just say this to you? Happy Christmas. Uh, Julia reminded me there's only like 32 or 33 days to go. That's a, that's a subtle plug as to look on our website because we have got uh, some of the Christmas things happening. So if you go on Oasis Life uh, and then look for the page on Christmas, you'll see some of the things that we've got coming ahead before. Uh, yeah, I need to get my act together and get the leaflets out. Sorry, Adrian. All right. Wonderful. Well, we've just completed our Up series in church. Anyone remember any of them? Oh, wake up. That was a clue. Wake wake up, wake up, wake up. It wasn't five wake-ups. Wake up, lift up, stand up, take up, uh, look up. Is that it? Adrian, I was thinking it'd be great to do a part two on the Up series about relationship and financial issues. What do you think? We could look at, um, we could do um, What's Up? Shut up, pack up, cough up, <laughs> and uptight. Wonderful. So, so we are, we are, we are uh, kind of tapping into our theme that has been on our Sunday evenings, which is on fire. So this morning, I'm going to speak on uh, in the line of fire. So if you've got your Bibles with you, well done. Extra point. Um, yeah, we're going to be... <laughs> This week and next Sunday morning, Adrian's going to be taking on the theme of fire as well. I'm really looking forward to the DVD uh, tonight that we're going to be showing, Defining Moments. I'm looking forward to seeing if there's any of the older members of the congregation, like Sally, uh, on there. 100 years of Elim. She's got to be on there somewhere, hasn't she? She's got to be on there. <laughs> at the very beginning, that's right. You don't look at day over. No, anyway. So, in the line of fire, um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, and that's where we're going to be focusing our thoughts and attentions uh, this morning. That's wonderful. Great. Well, uh, last time I spoke on a Sunday morning, I mentioned how much I love to be invited uh, places. So, just publicly, I'd like to thank everyone that, since that point, has invited me around for meal or for coffee. Absolutely. Keep it going, guys. Keep it going. Uh, one of the people that invited me around theirs was, uh, was um, Mike Swinburne. A little nod to Mike. A uh, little nod to that beard as well. Wonderful. And uh, Mike invited me around to enjoy some coffee, some chat, some uh, chimenea. And um, if anyone's wondering what a chimenea is, it's like a burning fire thing, isn't it? Um, and after an hour of trying to light the chimney, in the process burning the yellow pages. Does anyone use the yellow pages these days? No. And uh, blowing enough air to create a small tornado. 
it finally caught fire 10 minutes before I had to go home. Um, but uh, as we sat in direct line of the fire, it wasn't long before our faces glowed um, from the heat, even in the nip of the cool autumn air. And as the heat became more... Sounds like bromance, doesn't it, this? And as it, as it became hotter uh, by that chimney uh, and the fire became more intense, uh, we suddenly realized that there was a, a beautiful smell, aroma in the air of roast pork cooking. And uh, then suddenly me and Mike collectively both started manifesting and we actually realized the sparks were landing on us and burning us and we were a little bit too close. We were in the line of fire. Can I just say, it's dangerous to be in the line of fire. And uh, this morning I want to share about three young men uh, that were in the line of fire. And I want to encourage you and challenge you with this story uh, today because even when these three men were in the line of, of fire, some incredible things took place. And today, church, I want us to embrace those incredible things that took place all those years ago. And this is, yes, an old story. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible, thousands of years old, but it still has implications for each one of us, I believe, today. And uh, I want to encourage us in those things. Uh, before I kick into this, I want to, I, I like to be kind of, uh, us all to be involved in this. So I'm going to ask you to talk to the people around you. Have you ever been in the line of fire? So if you can just, for the next moment, Ask each other. Maybe it's been a situation at work. Maybe it's been a situation with a family or your neighbours or at school. Uh, have you ever been in the line of fire? Have you ever sat too close to Mike's chimney? I think perhaps most of us know at some point in our life we've been in the line of fire, been in difficult situations, been in situations where it takes courage to get through. Uh, I want to put this story into some kind of context. So these three teenage boys that feature in our story today, they were kidnapped uh, from their homes as teenagers uh, after King Nebuchadnezzar seized Jerusalem. They were taken to Babylon. They were forced for three years to learn all about the culture there in Babylon. That meant to learn the language, to dress as they would, to read about their history. They were given new names. They were given a new place in a new family. Uh, they were never to see their homeland or families again. And in in fact, they were made to serve a king who stood against everything that they stood for. But the story goes that actually they gained favor with this wicked king and they were made ministers of internal affairs, which is quite incredible uh, from where they'd been kidnapped from. Uh, they were given the name Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Let's test you on uh, how you do with that. Everyone say Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. For years, I thought my, my Bible had a typo because this was one of my favorite Bible stories. Every night before I went to bed, uh, when I was a lot younger, uh, I used to get my dad to read me this story. And my dad would always say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Tebedjigo. Um, it wasn't until my teenage years that I discovered it wasn't a typo. It, it, it was my dad. But there we go. Um, so... You may remember in the news back in 2003, uh, the iconic pictures of the, uh, on the news of the massive, massive statue of Saddam Hussein being pulled down by the US soldiers in Iraq. Uh, anyone remember that? Um, uh, but it was nearly 3,000 years prior to that point in Iraq that was then called Babylon, that there was a 90-foot statue uh, erected by King Nebuchadnezzar to reinforce his reign. And uh, if we look on there, you see that that's a big statue. 
and the, that's the little people, and it's about to scale. All right, took me ages to do that. He impressed. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was huge. It was huge. It was imposing. It was intimidating. And um, we read in chapter 3 of Daniel that when Nebuchadnezzar had music played, he had his own kind of worship team, if you want to call it that, for, for want of better phrases. It was a, a team of guys that he got together that played the zither and the harp and the bass guitar and all sorts of crazy things. Um, and uh, he got them together. And then when the music played, when the worship struck up, Everyone, everyone from anywhere was to bow down before this statue. It, it was like uh, some crazy game of musical statues uh, that, that when the music started, everyone was to stop what they're doing and bow down. And the story goes that if they didn't bow down, they would face a fiery furnace. In other words, they'd be burnt alive. So the thing was that these three good Hebrew boys that we're reading about today refused to get into this crazy ritual of musical statues um, because they worshipped God, not someone who set themselves up to be a God. And uh, someone saw that they weren't bowing down to the gold statue and they snitched on them, they dobbed them into the king and then that's where we pick the story up in Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 13. I make no apologies for this being a long reading. I want us to pick up on the full extent of this story. Okay. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they, were brought before, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there's too many long names in this story, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Can anyone show me what a face distorted with rage looks like? It's a good try, Dave. I wouldn't say distorted with rage. Perhaps more constipated, though. Uh, uh, well, he had, a, he had a distorted face with rage anyway. Uh, he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men, oh yeah, to his, uh, in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants. That's what my Bible says. Fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. That was hot fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. 
But suddenly, I love the but suddenlies in the Bible, do you? But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a single hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. He was a bit extreme, wasn't he? From one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, There is no God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon, which is now Iraq. Okay, so three incredible things took place in this story. And the first thing is this, that they were unbowed. Yes, that is a word. I can see some of you thinking, that's not in the dictionary. I've checked. Unbowed uh, it, it's an actual word. It means not having to be submitted to pressure or demands. And that really depicts what these three guys did. They remained unbowed. Has anyone been watching The Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds? A great program, great giggle. Takes me back to when my kids were that age. And uh, I think it was last week or the week before, they placed their, their, the producers placed this huge jar of sweets in an area where all these four-year-old kids were playing and stuff. And they said, don't touch. You've got all the toys, everything else, but don't touch the jar of sweets. And uh, you could see their minds whirring because they really, really wanted the sweets. And what took place was they started nudging each other and egging each other on to just one sweet. Let's just have a little sweet. Let's just have a few sweets. Until one of them turned and a few sweet, turned the jar and a few sweets came out at the bottom. And then they, 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 they liked the sweets. They liked the taste of the sweets. So they turned even more. And then in the end, the whole jar of sweets, which was about this big, just poured out all over the floor. And you could see some of them. Oh, we shouldn't have done that. Uh-uh. And there was just one lad that was, hadn't had sweets before. He just gorged on the sweets. He, w- he would be getting some sugar rush when he went home. But peer pressure... And being talked into doing things and conforming to what everyone else does isn't just something that affects kids. Have you ever had those moments in life where it's just easier to go with the flow than to stand your ground and say no? And uh, I know I have in my life. And uh, I'm guessing that some of you have as well. And uh, there's so much in our culture that makes it easy just to go along with things. And it certainly was the case for these three guys as well. It, it wasn't an easy option for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to opt out of doing what everyone else was doing. But when it was time for them to bow down 
they stood up. And I know that Adrian spoke the other week about the importance in our Christian faith to stand up. And this is what these three Hebrew guys did. They stood up when everyone else was conforming and bowing down to this 90-foot statue. And we, we can learn from them to stand and to not bow to the cultural pressures that, we, that would compromise our faith today. We, we can learn from the, the courage when these three men are in the line of fire. We can learn from them that actually sometimes, in fact most of the time, maybe always, that rather than bowing down to what pressure says around us, that actually we need to stand up and look to God. And uh, we're in times now in our nation and across the world, really, that the Christian church is told to stop holding on to biblical truth for the sake of bowing down to cultural reference. I'm glad that we're a part of a church that holds on to Bible truths rather than being prepared to bow down to a cultural relevance. The most relevant thing that the world's needed is to know the love of Christ. And that's what we stand for. But we also need to be careful of uh, what we bow down to because the thing that we bow down to could be the thing that could pull us down to. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, even in the line of fire, would not compromise their beliefs. They refused to bow down to worship an idol because they lived for God. And Nebuchadnezzar said these words, Look, they're walking in the fire. I think this is significant because these three men learned to walk out their faith before they learned to walk in the fire. And it's something that I've said over the many, many times to the young people in our own church, that it's important to make your choice before you face your choice. Because uh, I can honestly say, um, being, a, being a Christian, when I, when I was a teenager and looking to serve God with my life, that actually... I really felt the Holy Spirit just pour my heart. Make your choices before you face your choices. And that saved me so many times when I've been around uh, some of my friends that got absolutely hammered and they were saying, join in. I made a choice before. That's not what I'm going to do. And I, I want to encourage you just to encourage the young people over the years. Make your choice before you face your choice. Learn to walk out your faith before you have to walk in the fire. Because this is part of the thing that saved these three guys. I'm, uh, I'm excited as well that we're part of a church where young people have been prepared to stand in the line of fire. Let, can I just share something really exciting that's been taking place? So we've had an opportunity in one of the schools um, to take a lunchtime session uh, we called Gorilla Christian. And we got a panel of a teacher, uh, a youth leader, and also a young person from this church to just be willing to sit before their peers and the pressure that their peers bring and say that I'm a Christian, fire whatever questions you want at me. We had an incredible opportunity. We had a class full of atheists and agnostics that came along, fired so many questions. I'm just proud of uh, the young people that have stood in the line of fire, that they didn't bow down, even amongst their peers. And that's exciting because we, we... doing it in another school as well soon, and becoming a regular thing, and we've got another bunch of young people that are willing to do that. I, I'm, I'm excited that there was a young girl uh, who com- comes to this church, gone off to university now, that she felt that she you know, should be inspired by what the Bible says, and, uh, and there was a, something they called a soapbox in their school, and in that soapbox, it's, it's an opportunity to stand on the soapbox in the middle of the dining room in front of all your peers uh, and all that they think, and you can talk for three minutes about whatever you want. 
No one had done it for three years. No one had done it for three years, but this young lady felt compelled by God to get the Say What's That, stand on, in, on that in front of all her year group and talk for three minutes about what Jesus means to her. That is placing yourself in the line of fire. That is courage. And uh, there's always been things in our culture. There's always been people. There's always the enemy. There's always the world. There's always temptation that set, sets themselves up to be greater than God. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar did. He set something up to be greater than God. And even in those times where government have applied pressure to say, you've got to conform or die, and incredible things have taken place. It was in the, uh, in the 1940s in China where the, uh, the government said that, no, we're not having Christians. They killed half a million Christians in China because the government didn't want Christian, Christianity in their nation. And uh, you know what? Even in the face of that, today there's over 100,000 Chinese Christians. Even in all the pressure that there's been over the years. And let me tell you why this is. It's, it's because Christian men and women and boys and girls weren't prepared to bow down in the face of opposition. And I want to encourage us, whatever society throws at us, as Adrian spoke the other week, keep standing. Keep standing. In verse 18, there's an incredible statement, and it's this. That the, guy, the guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to Nebuchadnezzar when he said, oh, who can save you? Who can save you? They said this, but even if he doesn't. And it wasn't a statement of defeat. It wasn't uh, just to cover their tracks, just in case God didn't do anything. We'll just say this just in case. It wasn't, uh, it, it, what it was, though, it was a statement of faith. It was a statement of trust. It was a, a certainty. It wasn't a measure of their doubt, but it was a measure of their trust in God. They were saying, whatever God does or doesn't do, doesn't change who he is. Their faith was fully resigned to the will of God. I'm inspired by this. It's an incredible story. And I know that in our own church family now, and it may be people who are sitting here today, that they are facing their own furnace in life. And I'm encouraged to hear that they are applying the but even if he doesn't principle to their own furnace. I know that God can heal me, but even if he doesn't. I know that God can get me another job, but, but even if he doesn't. I know that God can take this from me, but even if he doesn't. To me, that is incredible, unbuckling faith and trust in God. And maybe this morning we've found ourselves in the line of fire, maybe at work, some of those things that we talked about earlier in, in, amongst the people that we were sat with. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's false accusations, maybe it's situations at work, maybe it's family issues, maybe uh, you know what it's like to be pressurized into things that you don't want to do. I want to encourage you, keep standing. We might not have a 90-foot Gold statue on our doorstep. But the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego challenges us to remain unbowed to the world around us. And encourages us to bow down to the one true living God. To trust him and to love him. And the beauty is that when we refuse to bow down to the things around us. But we bow down in worship and adoration of the true living God. That actually he lifts us up. I love it what it says in James chapter 4, verse 10. It, 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 James puts, uh, bow down to the Lord, 
and he will lift you up. It's beautiful. A beautiful and there's a beautiful illustration of this in the, in the Bible. And the story of the, the prostitute that went to the house that Jesus was at. And the prostitute bowed at Jesus' feet and she was weeping and she was crying. And, and uh, she was acknowledging who Jesus was. And other people just sat around verbally, verbally insulting this woman and who she was and what she was doing. And wh- why do you think that woman can do that? A woman of ill repute bowing at the feet of Jesus. But something beautiful took place and it was this, that Jesus, in all the accusation and verbal insults, Jesus, and as she bowed down, Jesus lifted her. And he spoke tenderly to her. And he said, arise and go in peace. And this morning, I want to encourage us that as we bow before Jesus, he will lift us up. I want to challenge us to live lives of humility and love for God that he might lift us up. Rather than bowing to the pressures of the world and temptation that pull us down and distract us from all who Jesus is and all that he has for us. Okay, next thing that we see in our story is this, that they became unbound. They became unbound. We read that these three men were tied up, it says, by the strongest men in the army. And even if they were good at escapology, they were not getting out. I remember uh, uh, when my mum and dad took all, all of us kids to the circus long time ago, and um, have you ever been, and there's been an escapologist, and they ask for a volunteer from the crowd to tie up, tie up the escapologist, put the straitjacket on and the ropes around them and the chains and everything else. Well, they asked for a volunteer, so me and my brothers and sisters were all like, pick dad, pick dad, pick dad, pick dad, and, and they did, they picked me dad at the time, and I could see my dad went up with some attitude, and he went up, I don't know whether it's because he was reluctant about it, because we all like said to pick him. But um, he tied him up really tight and uh, put the straitjacket on and the chains around and the rope. And, uh, and then what happened was the escapologist got lifted into the air, dangling from his feet. And, um, and the, 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 the ringmaster announced that he's going to get out in one minute. So the crowd was aghast looking at this escapologist. <laughs> what, it didn't quite work out so well because what had happened is my dad had tied him so tight that he, he nearly stopped breathing. They had to lower him. And my dad single-handedly ruined everyone's trip to the circus that night by nearly killing the escapologist who couldn't escape. Um, reminds me of a book uh, I read on Houdini. Uh, from that moment, I decided to take up escapology as a hobby. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, though, um, because once you get into it, it's hard to get out of it. <laughs> that beats Alan Wallace's jokes, didn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. It's amazing that these three guys weren't burnt alive, but it's also amazing that they became unbound, unbound and untied. And Nebuchadnezzar had got them tied up to be burnt, uh, and everything that the evil king tried to do to bring them down couldn't bring what God wanted to do. To prevent what God wanted to do. And it's the same for us. What the enemy means for harm, God can turn for good. And we think about that in the life of Joseph. All that happened in the life of Joseph, God turned around. Last Sunday night, we had uh, something we called the Scorch Trials. 
um, and we heard three really powerful personal testimonies that night of trials and fiery furnaces that these three people had been through. It, it proper moved me. Because in the midst of all the stuff and the fire and the furnace and the difficulties and trials in life, actually God turned it for good. And we can know the freedom of Christ even in the fiercest furnaces of life. And uh, there, there are things that the enemy would want to keep us bound in. But I believe that Jesus wants to be freed from. In the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put harness of slavery upon you. We can be alive in Christ, but still bound up in the grave clothes of the past by our scars, by our hurts, by unforgiveness. We can be very much alive, but still carry and be bound by things that have happened in the past. Uh, In the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, He'd been dead for four days. I mean, that's like proper dead, isn't it? Four days. And, and uh, Jesus, in that place of death, spoke life. In fact, he didn't just speak life. He shouted. It says that Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. Amazing how he found his way out, isn't it? But, but Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. He was very much alive because Jesus spoke life into death. But he was still bound until Jesus spoke again. Take the grave clothes off. Take those things off that bound him. That those things that would prevent him from moving properly. And, and, and when Jesus spoke again, he was released. And maybe we've become a Christian. Maybe even recently we've become a Christian, but we've still been bound by things of the past. Christ wants to free you from those things too. He wants you to be free, to be all that you can be in him. Corrie Ten Boom, real hero, uh, she knew what it was like to go through her own fiery furnaces when her and her family decided that they were going to protect Jews during the Nazi Holocaust. And they, something like 800 people, lives that they saved by hiding them in their own home and Incredible, but when, when they were caught out, um, they were put in prison and, and then onto a concentration camp where her dad and her sister died. So she knew what it was to be hurt. She knew what it was like to have scars. She knew what it was like to be broken and, and bound. But she says this, forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It's a power that breaks uh, the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. The forgiveness of Jesus not only takes away our sins, it makes them as though they had never been. Knowing forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus, and forgiving others are keys to being unbound. And we see in this story, there's no mention that these three men became bitter or resentful or unforgiving towards uh, Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, we read that they were very, very polite and honorable in the way they spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. And I want to ask you today, is there anything that keeps you bound up? Is there anything in your life that is preventing you from becoming all who God has called you to be? Is it unforgiveness? Is it hurt from others? Is it scars of the past? Is it bitterness? Is it addictions? Is it bad habits? Because I want to speak this over you, us, each of us today. Christ has set us free.
Christ has set us free. Now then, bear with. Unburnt, there we go. Third thing that took place, uh, another incredible thing, is that they remained unburnt. And uh, the fiery furnace, it was a huge chamber. It wasn't just like a little range that was in someone's kitchen. It was a huge chamber, a furnace. It was probably used to smelt uh, minerals and bake bricks, maybe even bake the bricks that were the foundation for this 90-foot statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And it was in that place, and some say that it got to something like uh, over 1,000 degrees Celsius, uh, Fahrenheit. That's, that's hot. And then, and then Nebuchadnezzar ordered that it be seven times hotter, be made seven times hotter. It was as hot as it ever was going to get. But we read that there wasn't even a whiff of smoke on them. We don't have to be tarnished by the world around us. We don't have to be burnt by the world around us, even though we live in it. We have a choice not to be affected by the things around us, even though they may surround us. Uh, My first week of university, Freshers' Week, I remember quite clearly we were all given a pack. And in that pack, uh, there was uh, discounts for drinks, at clubs. In that pack, there were um, free shots at various places, um, free passes to get into some places. There were condoms in this pack that I received on, on Freshers' Week. It, it was almost setting me up to do those things and to be involved in those things and maybe to even be burnt by those things. Jesus prayed a really powerful prayer for his followers in John 17. And as his followers today, I want to encourage us that this is for us too. Jesus prayed to Father God. The godless world hated them because they didn't join in the world's ways, just as I didn't join in the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Jesus prayed to Father God for our protection, knowing that we'd face our challenges, knowing that we'd be in the line of fire. But he also gave us a mission in the world to change the world. And as Christians, we'll never be able to bring the world to Christ by being like the world. If we compromise our convictions, they'll do nothing to convince others. And uh, I want to encourage us to hold on to conviction and faith and love for Jesus and not to compromise. There's a great story of uh, the 40 martyrs of, uh, of Sebaste in 320 AD. It was, four, it was 40 Roman soldiers that gave their lives to Christ. And because they became Christians, they were made to stand in a freezing river. To, to freeze to death. There was guards that, uh, that were placed on the shoreline to kill any of them that decided that it would try and get out or escape. And they were made to stand there until they renounced their faith in Jesus. And uh, the story goes that, that uh, one of the soldiers just caved in, that he just had enough. He was frightened and intimidated and he got out of the water, renounced his faith in Jesus. But that's... Some, led to something else that was amazing. One of the guards who stood on the beach on the shoreline, ready to kill anyone that escaped, stripped off naked like the others were, stepped into the frozen waters and became a Christian. That one soldier wasn't, uh, wasn't moved by the soldier that compromised 
it was moved by the courage of the 39. And I want to encourage us that actually God can move in that courage and convictions because uh, courageous convictions can create cultural shifts. That's what has happened in China. Courageous convictions can create cultural shifts. And it's what happened in that story. Nebuchadnezzar was like, whoa, what just happened? Everything's going to be different from now on. There's the one true God. Only God can do that. Let's all follow the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego, the one true God. And I want to encourage us in that, that actually our faith and our witness to the world around us can have an incredible impact. What if in the most testing of times that you face in life, God wants to do something that turns others to him? What if in your furnaces, God moves your faith to favor and changes things? When we walk through the fire sometimes in life, we don't have to be burnt. I love this promise, and actually it came out in our night of worship at the start of um, this month as we were thinking about being on fire for Jesus. It's from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. It says, when, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And Psalm 16, verse 8 says this, The Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. With the Lord, with us, standing with us, walking with us. When we go through the waters and not drown, that makes us waterproof. With Jesus at our side, when we go through the fire and not be burned, that makes us fireproof. When we will not be shaken because Jesus is with us, that makes us shockproof. Church, as believers of Jesus, we are waterproof, fireproof, and shockproof. And that makes us better than any Casio watch we could get from Elizabeth Duke. Let that be a promise that we can hold on to today, that actually with Christ with us, it makes all the difference. Now, I've said three things, but probably the most important thing of this story I've not yet mentioned, and I want to mention before we go. There we go. I think that's the one. Nebuchadnezzar said, look. In fact, he shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. How many men walked into the furnace? Oh, you're great at maths. Brilliant. Three men. How many evil kings were there? I don't know why I said that. But just checking. Just check How many men did Nebuchadnezzar see in the fire? Four men in the flames. So I might have told some of you this story before. But I'm going to say it again. It changed my life. Uh, I was, uh, I was, I might have mentioned before that I was my dad's apprentice. He was painting and decorating. So in the school holidays, I'd go and work with my dad. Uh, when I was at school, uh, for, for two years, I was bullied by this same guy. So it, it ranged from everything from being pushed into nettle bushes, uh, having food tipped over me, put pots of pepper on my food, horrible things that took place. This bully was persistent. Every week, most days, he'd do something for two years. Then it got to the school holidays, and I was so glad to be off school. And um, I was working with my dad in San Diego on a house near the recreation ground. And uh, my dad was up a ladder doing something, uh, painting or something like he did. And uh, I I was on the floor, probably sweeping up or making tea like he always got me to do. But uh, I saw this guy who had been bullying me uh, for a couple of years, riding riding on his bike up the street. Something 
rose within me that day. I've had enough of this. So I put down the brush and I, I stormed over to where Sandika Library is as he was riding his bike. And I said, Oi, I want a word with you. I did. I did. Careful you don't fall off. I can see you on the edge of your seat with this story. I did. And um, he says, Oh, yeah? Well, I wouldn't mind where were you. And I says, I've had enough of this now. And he just looked at me, and I could see he's his, his turning into a grip. He threw his bike down, and he's getting a fist or two in his hands. And he said, do you like the taste of hospital food? And I says, no, not really. But I'm not going to be the one who's going to be eating it. Uh, and, and, uh, and then, I, I just like, I've had enough of this. It's been going on for two years. I want it to stop. Then out of the blue, all of a sudden, he put his hand towards me. I was like... It's going to do like an RKO me or something over his head. But it, it put us, and after a few seconds, I put my hand out to him. We shook hands, and he said, it's over now then. And he picked up his bike and rode off. I was like, come on. <laughs> check, check the guns. Uh, which way to the church? Uh, and, uh, and, I t- and I thought, yeah, sorted. Good man. Turned around to walk back, and my dad was stood behind me like this. It's quite overalls. It's. Oh, thanks, Dad. It makes a difference who's with you in times of trouble. Because there was a fourth man, man in the flames that day. Some say that it could have been an angel, but most people believe that this was actually a manifestation of Jesus Christ, walking amongst the flames with them. God had provided a heavenly bodyguard for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they faced their fiery furnace. And this is the most important thing. If you take away nothing else from today, I want to encourage you with this, that this is a promise for you to take hold of, to take home, and to apply it to your lives. There is always the other man in the fire. There is always the one who walks with us where we need courage. Jesus is always the other man. He is your advantage in the face of disadvantage. He is your plus in the minus. He is your majority when you're in the minority. He is your maximum when you're on your minimum. He is your strength in your weakness. He is your more than when you feel less than. He is your closest friend in the fire. Church, you are not alone. If you have given your life to Christ, take hold of that promise because it's a great promise. You are not alone. And you know what? He may not have delivered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the furnace, but he stood with them in the midst of the furnace. And he will with you too. He will with you too. Matthew 28 verse 20 says, Jesus says, be sure of this, I'm always always with you, even to the end of the age. Psalm 55, 22 says that he will sustain us and he will ultimately deliver us. Matthew 25, verse 46, say that he will save us eternally. Whatever happens in this life, he will save us eternally. Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 15, what God will be able to rescue? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, our God 
is able. Whatever your blazing furnace, whatever your tough challenge that you face, whatever line of fire you find yourselves in, whether that's your home, your health, your broken relationships at work, our God is able. Jesus is with us. It was timely that Sue shared a testimony during the worship time, and she said how God delivers. It's certainly true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew God's deliverance. When you're in the furnace, when you're in the fire, there's always the fourth man. Church, let's pray. Wow. Father, we just thank you for this incredible story in history. Thank you that you delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thank you that even in the toughest challenge, in the line of fire, they remained unbowed. They became unbound and they were unburnt. But Father, we just thank you for the most awesome, greatest miracle in that story, that there's a fourth man in the fire. I want to pray that today, whatever our circumstance, our situations, that we would know the presence of Jesus. Thank you that you are for us, not against us. That, wow, in the, in the face of, whether it be a face of a bully or a 90-foot gold statue, that Father God, you're right there with us. I pray that today would be a day of freedom and liberty, breaking off things that have bound us. I pray that today would be a day where we know your restoration from times where maybe we've been burnt by life. I pray that today a tenacity would rise up in our spirits and in our hearts, that we wouldn't bow down to what the world might throw at us, but that we'd just bow down to you, that you might lift us up. Can I invite you to stand to your feet? Our time's almost at a close. And we're just going to sing together in worship, but... I want to encourage us today just to respond with our hearts and lives to this. Before we go, I want to give you the opportunity that um, we pray for you. And maybe maybe you've been going through your own fiery furnace, whether that's health or finance or work-related, family-related. But we would just love to stand with you and pray that you'd know the presence of Jesus. Maybe you know in your own heart, as I've been speaking this morning, that the Holy Spirit has just been kind of prompting you, that there's been things that have held you back and bound you and, and you we just love to pray with you release in that as well that you might know, that you might know God's forgiveness that you might be able to forgive that you might be able to move on and live free and maybe today that you've heard so much about this Jesus over the, the weeks but today you've said I want to be I want to know the presence of Jesus in my life I want to accept him as my Lord and my Saviour I want to accept all that Jesus has done on the cross that I might know forgiveness and his love in my own life. I want to walk in that resurrection power. Then I want to encourage you to talk to one of us as well afterwards. So realize that our time has rapidly gone this morning. I pray that some of those words are settled in our hearts, that God might just sift my words, that his word will just settle in our hearts. But if there's any of those areas that you want prayer for this morning, I want to encourage you just to come out we'd love to pray with you and stand with you in those areas Uh, otherwise we look forward to seeing you this evening or maybe next week or in life groups in the week ahead